Hey, this is a great conversation with Cynthia Adams, CEO of Pearl Certification. They are the standard for homes to go above and beyond to keep you comfortable, healthy, and saving energy and money. She was talking to Jonathan Keith and me about high-performing homes, how and why homeowners want high-performing homes, what the IRA is, and some steps that homeowners can take to plan to take advantage of the IRA to add energy efficiency to your homes. Hopefully you find this conversation as informative as we did, and you now have a foundation to ask great questions. We've got Cynthia Adams, who's the CEO of Pearl, uh, and she's joined us today to talk about energy efficiency and uh, high-performing homes and Department of, uh, Department of uh, Energy and all sorts of things that, frankly, I don't understand quite as well yet as I need to, and uh, we're looking to educate ourselves on that. So, Cynthia, welcome. Uh, tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do. Thank you, Jim. Uh, my company, Pearl Certification, helps uh, real estate agents uh, market and sell high-performing homes. So essentially we are a platform to collect data on high-performing home features. And then we have a series of outputs from our platform that uh, help those agents, like I say, market those homes. We help those homes sell and appraise for more as has been documented in a couple of independent appraisal studies um, in, the, in the state of Virginia. So. Yeah, we have a lot to do with the home certification and the data and information associated with high-performing homes vis-a-vis um, -vis our platform. So uh, I'll, set, I'll start, ask the first question. What's a high-performing home? A high-performing home is one that has energy-efficient features. Typically, this means the building shell, insulation, air sealing, uh, the windows. It has um, an energy efficient heating and cooling system. Typically the ducts have been addressed in some way. They've been sealed or they're in conditioned space. The, the other way of thinking about the systems in the house might also include what we think of as baseload. So water heating, lighting, appliances, things like that. And the general consensus in the industry is that it's best to reduce and then produce or so reduce your energy's use your home's energy use and then produce energy. So renewables come in after you've made the house high performing in terms of its other systems. And then is a great time to think about installing solar. And I'll ask this question not to be, you know, not, it's going to sound ignorant, but I, I want you to, to, to tell us why is it important? Why are high performing homes important? And why is it important to know if your home is high performing or, or is not? Great question. And I think that there's a multiple reasons why people will want and do want high-performing homes once you explain what they are. High-performing homes cost less to own and operate because you've managed for the risk of increasing utility costs. High-performing homes have better indoor air quality because typically the features in the house that are connected to the home's energy use are also connected to its ventilation and it's uh, the way in which air makes its way into the house, the infiltration. So they're healthier. High-performing homes are also healthier. And they're more comfortable. Uh, typically, they're less noisy. They have less dust, less bugs. <laughs> they, uh, have, they don't have the same sorts of temperature differentials from the basement to the top floor that you might find in a house that is inefficient. So the, the reason why people want them is because they make for a better quality of life. And, and Cynthia, just you know, for listeners to make sure that they understand where you're coming from, this is it's really easy to think of new homes as being high performing compared to older homes, but Pearl certainly works with and, and really incentivizes 
owners of older homes to make the same types of upgrades. We're not just talking about homes built since 2020. Absolutely. In fact, Pearl certification was created with an attention to how do we help homeowners, contractors, agents with the existing home? Because in the state of Virginia, for example, you might have homes that were built anywhere from the 1700s up until yesterday. And construction practices have changed. The needs of those homes have changed. And there are a lot of products out in the market right now that homeowners can take advantage of so that they can have a house that looks and feels like the modern home of today. I think that there's a lot of confusion as to which products I should be focusing on and what my sequencing should be. But the the owner of an existing home um, can have a high performing home just as much as a house you know built this year. So it's kind of leads me to to one of the reasons that we we wanted to connect with you is we're looking at a year since the passage of the IRA. Uh, if you can explain to us sort of what that is and why that's important from a from a housing perspective, uh, it, it, what what do we need to know from a obviously from a fairly high level, but also actionable from actionable levels? What can consumers and realtors take away, you know, from spending a few minutes with us? So the Inflation Reduction Act was a, a, a major piece of legislation, perhaps the most consequential piece of legislation, at, at least in terms of climate that the this administration has passed. Um, but regardless of what your opinions are about sustainability or climate, the legislation itself is really meant to advance building practices and the efficiency of our building stock. And it's targeted to low and moderate income homeowners. So these are the people that are most likely to be left behind uh, by the improving technologies and the, the costs that it might take to install them. So within the Inflation Reduction Act are a number of different pieces of legislation that do everything from providing green financing to ways to make installing um, wind farms more economical. But the part that we care about in this conversation today are probably the two rebate programs and the tax credits that are targeted to single family and multifamily homeowners. So within the IRA, the tax credits are um, meant to help people of whatever income, but those who obviously have tax liability, uh, get a credit for installing energy efficient features. There's a $2,000 tax credit for a heat pump installation. And then there's a, up to $1,200 and a tax credit for um, everything from insulation to a furnace to windows and doors. And these these now, are upgrade. These are upgrade rebates, not new construction incentives, or are they both? The tax credits can work for new construction as well. Um, it, there's actually a separate tax credit called 45L that's meant to focus on new construction, and it basically increases the level of tax credit that a builder can get for building to Energy Star or net zero, net zero ready home. Um, 25C, the other tax credit, is is really meant to kind of focus more on the existing home, but you can take advantage of it too in, in the new construction space. I think the main thing to keep in mind with 25C is that you'll you'll want to construct the IRS guidance around this because the, the credit is up to 30% of the install cost for um, say a heat pump and it includes labor, but insulation only includes product and not labor. So there's some nuances to what 30% of the install cost means, because in some cases you can combine the, the labor cost and in others it's product only. But 
it's it's a 10-year tax credit program and uh, you know if you do need to replace your existing system or if you're thinking about doing um fuel switching two thousand dollars is 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 not inconsequential <laughs> i think for most people the the rebate programs are there's two of them and remember that the difference between a tax credit and a rebate is a tax credit is attached to the federal government it's it's connected to your tax liability and in this instance um the credit applies for the year in which the installation was made and there's no carryover so if your credit is larger than your liability sorry you don't get to carry that over to the next tax year you use what you can use in that given tax year for renewables that's not the same renewables you can carry over but for efficiency you cannot so again we're getting a little complicated here but i'll try to keep things simple the rebate programs are administered through the states the rebate programs the state energy office will set up and launch and the state energy office actually has to apply and submit a program proposal to the u.s department of energy for their rebate programs there are two of them one is an electrification rebate program and it has an individual rebate available for a particular type of installation. So you can get a rebate for installing an induction stove. You can get a rebate for um, upgrading your electrical panel if you need to do that in order to install a heat pump. So it's in, in the, the electrification rebate program is, is targeted to low and moderate income homeowners. So you have to be at or below 150% of area median income to even take advantage of that rebate program. If you're above 150% of your area median income, that program's not for you. It's it's really uh, set aside to help low is, and moderate income homeowners. Is that a graduated and, credit, Cynthia, or is that a flat out, if you're below 150, you get full credit, and if you're above, you get zero? So the... Um, for if you're below 80% AMI, you can, in theory, get the entire installation paid for. This is where there's some leeway from the states. Right. But if you're if you are a low income, there's an opportunity potentially to to have all of it covered. Right now, the the cap is set at fourteen thousand dollars for a combination of rebates for a combination okay. of improvements. Um, and and no, the rebates at the point of sale rebates. So. Um, they they are not they don't like scale with you know how close to the AMI limit you get to answer your question Keith. Okay. So if I were if I'm a realtor, which I am, and a, uh, one of my sellers or homeowners comes to me that I represented 12 years ago, they say, you know, we we're thinking about selling but you know, we don't think we're going to do it for another 2 to 5 years probably. What do we need to do from an upgrade perspective? We think we want to do the HVAC, we want maybe to want to do a roof and you know maybe you know some you know switch from from gas to induction what do i need to tell them like where do they go like where like where do, how do how do, how do i advise my my people in order to better do what they need to do so right now we are waiting for the states to submit their plans and the doe to approve them so we don't actually expect any of these programs to hit the streets until 2024. okay if I were an agent talking to a, a seller or a buyer or just my sphere right now about these programs, 
I would want people to be giving some thought to what improvements they want to do and how they're thinking about packaging them together so that when the programs do go live, you have a sense of like, all right, well, this is kind of the upgrade schedule that I had in mind for my property. And here's how I can kind of mix and match on some of these programs. The, the second rebate program that I haven't gotten to yet is the home efficiency program. It is not income qualified. So any homeowner can take advantage of it, but it's it's not a point of sale rebate on a particular product. The way that the home efficiency program is set up is you have to hit an energy savings threshold of 20%. And if you do that, you qualify for a $2,000 rebate. If you hit an energy savings threshold of 35% or up, you qualify for $4,000. And, and so this is around modeling the projected energy savings based upon a bundle of improvements that the homeowner is likely to do. And if you're, if you're below the um, 180, 150% of AMI, you can get double the amount on those rebates. So $4,000 and $8,000 instead of two or $4,000. So Cynthia, you had, you had said there's a big focus in, in your industry of, of reducing before you produce, right? That, that we'd rather make the house more energy efficient than reduce the energy dependence through wind or solar or other renewables. With your with this $2,000 reduction um, that's based on either a 20 or a 35% gain in, in efficiency, does that include renewable energy no. resources? Okay, so it, we're talking purely reducing the actual need, the consumption need from the house itself. That's correct. Okay. That's correct. And how is that, me- how is that measured? Is it self-measured by the, by the homeowner or do you have to hire a no. third party? Yeah, there's, there's some other requirements in that bill around the modeling software that has to be used because you don't want people gaming the system in a way that doesn't actually achieve the energy right. savings results. So there is a requirement in that legislation that the software does a BPI 2400 calibration. What's that BPI? sounds like a mouthful. Let me just simplify <laughs> it for you. What what it requires is that you have to you have to collect 12 months of utility bills from the from the owner. And then the contractor using a state approved modeling software will put the information of that utility bill set into the modeling software. And then the modeling software will say, "Hey, did we predict the energy use right going backwards? Like are these is the actual energy use at or near what we would predict it to be in the model. And if it is, then great. Your projection of saving 20% from doing improvements is likely to materialize. But if the model is like way out of whack with what the actual utility bills were, then the contractor is going to have to go in and see what's wrong here. Did they get the thermostat setting wrong? Is there some you know missing piece of information about the house that needs to be input? Because you want those models to be calibrated so that the homeowner knows, hey, I'm spending the money. I actually am going to have you know, twenty percent savings. You know, up and above. But does that and mean so, from the from yeah, the tax? You don't just take people's word for it. There's some some guardrails built in around that. Well, but I guess the question is for the homeowner. Does that mean that they are before they make a purchase of a new heat pump, before they spend money on new insulation, are they guaranteed that the thirty five percent point is going to be reached, or is that going to be something that's not determined until twelve months after the upgrade? So. Being clear on the electrification rebate 
it's point of sale for an individual product install that you spent, you, you buy this product, you get that rebate, putting that aside, focusing just on the efficiency side of things, the contractor will model before the homeowner signs off on the package of improvements right. that this package of improvements will get you your 20% savings. Okay. There is not a requirement that you get proof 12 months down the road for the rebate to be released. You can get the rebate once the, the documentation is submitted to the state or to their program implementer. There is another pathway for the homes efficiency program called measured. I've been talking about modeled. The measured program will pay you a different rebate amount 12 months post install. That program is more complicated. It requires somebody known as an aggregator to basically pay forward the rebate to the homeowner and the contractor, and then kind of sit and make sure that the savings materialize. But there's a way to get a slightly higher rebate if you bear that risk. And so there are some companies um, thinking about seeing if they can play the aggregator role on the measured savings side. That sounds like a much more complicated and time and time delayed uh, satisfaction. That you know, my my instinct is fewer people take advantage of the of the you know delayed satisfaction than they will the immediacy of it. Right. Um, one of the things you mentioned the the other day was the nine, of this you know of the IRA. There's nine billion dollars focused solely on real estate. What does this mean? So the nine nine billion dollars is the is the sum of the two rebate programs. The Homes rebate program, the home efficiency program is 4.3 billion in rebate dollars and electrification is 4.5. So technically we're kind of rounding up a little bit to the 9 billion range. Ish. But the, the US Department of Energy came out with guidelines for states for their program proposals that they have to submit. And they've chunked the amount of grant that the states get based upon certain deliverables. So one of the other interesting things in there is um, a, a, a community, um, I'm trying to remember the exact term for it. It's a plan for how you're going to help your low and moderate income homeowners um, through DEI types of initiatives. 25% of the grant funding is tied to that plan. Another thing that we were talking about specifically though with real estate is the market transformation plan. So another 25% of the state's total funding is tied to an approved market transformation plan. What the hell does everybody mean by market transformation? <laughs> Basically what it means is we want this idea of the high performing home, instead of being a small percentage of the total housing stock, we want that to become the average. That, that That's the expectation that we live in high performing, energy efficient, comfortable, um, better indoor air quality type homes. And the market will be transformed when there is an expectation from the buyer that this is the type of house that I deserve and this is the type of house that I, I, I'm going to find because there's enough of them out there that it's, again, it's not like the fringe thing. It's like we've moved to the, to the average at that point. That is a market transform. The supposition is the reason that we're not there right now is that A, we don't have enough houses with these features, but B, even the houses that have these features, nobody knows about them. They're in attics and crawl spaces behind walls, pe places people don't go, a silver box looks like a silver box. So 
if we want these houses to be visible in the market, data about these types of high-performing features also has to be visible in the market. And by in the market, I mean in a, in a refi situation, in a sales situation, where there's actually an equity value, an appraisal value attached to a higher-performing home. So circling back to this idea that states have to submit a market transformation plan, the best practices and the guidelines from the DOE are that the states have to talk about how they're going to help facilitate data on that home's high performing features being aggregated and getting into a multiple listing service so getting into an appraisal so cynthia we're 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 kind of running around kind of the new construction models and and we're talking about that we're talking about the high performance you're talking about the fact that we need to know that the homes are are high performance so we'll get to that because i know that's where pearl really has spent the meat of their businesses demonstrating the value to homeowners but if we look at, and you're saying a market transformation, if we look at the homes that are really being put out in the marketplace right now in different areas, what percentage of new homes that are being built today are instantly already qualifying for what you would call a high performance home versus those that are that builders are really making an intentional move to be better than the average and to and to get into that that platinum range? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Um, you tell me if I'm missing the mark in my answer to your question. The modern energy code, which in Virginia we have implemented some of, basically increases the requirements for um, getting your your certificate of occupancy such that pretty much any home built today to modern code in, say, in the state of Virginia is going to hit at least a silver certification. The, the way in which builders tend to go a little bit more on the cheap is that they put in builder grade materials and appliances and other things. So maybe it's an energy star, maybe it's not. And so the, the state requirements around the building shell are pretty cut and dried, but air sealing and um, the, the equipment the specs yeah. are, are not as cut and dried. So I would say the difference between a house that's built to modern code, which should have a pretty good building shell insulation, windows, air sealing, things like that. I mean, not air sealing. Um, the the roof, the the windows, the insulation. The, the difference between that and a, a, a very high-performing home is going to be in the, the HVAC systems. Um, it, it's going to be in, in the fact that the builder has done air sealing and has tested for that and maybe done other types of performance testing as well, like on the duct system. So, it, so, so it's not coming back yeah. to to just a numerical calculus of the engineering side. It's the intentionality of the builder to installation is done correctly, appropriately, and tested and verified. And mm -hmm. that's really where Pearl gets involved with certifying the homes. And and again, to your, your point of once it's resold, that the owner understands that, that the realtor understands and that we're able to put the value out so that the next purchaser knows what they're getting. Right. Like I know that the Charlottesville Area Association of Realtors has had green fields in its MLS for well over a decade now sure. or close to it. And I'll, I'll wager if we went back and pulled a report as to how many of those fields actually get used, it would be a much smaller subset than the actual number of homes for which they could be used. Completely and that's different. where the real estate agent plays such a critical role. And, and I think what we found at Pearl and we believe to be true is that real estate agents have a lot of things that they have to keep up with and they don't necessarily um, 
want to fancy themselves as an energy auditor or an energy expert, but there is sort of like a, a minimum level of, I think, fiduciary responsibility that that agents have to their sellers. Like at least ask, did you make any recent installs or upgrades to your HVAC system, to your water heating, to you know other types of systems in the house? And with even just starting with that question, you can then work with the homeowner to see if there's any documentation for it or, you know, by all means, pull my company in. We're happy to, to, to get that documentation for you. But if 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 agents are only asking um, if something is new and they're not asking if something is efficient, then we're missing an opportunity to help the homeowner not only get credit, but like more money for their property. And it feels like that's pretty important to most sellers. So I'd say there's a shared, I mean, a, a shared responsibility between the the agents to come in armed with you know, better questions, mm-hmm. but the consumers also need to come in you know, prepared to say, "Here are the things that 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 are better about my house now than they were five years ago or seven years ago, whatever." So Absolutely. You know, so I think that it's you know it's a partnership that we're we're dealing with, is they're making sure that they're all asking the right questions and providing the best information. Um, you know, I, I know we're we're getting a little bit tight on time, but I want to say, how can they? You know, what do you suggest that the owners and the agents do in order to best prepare? You know, that that team, if you will, to market that home effectively. Uh, and what information should should they be capturing? How should they be, how should they be articulating it? What are we looking at from a from an industry that they should be capturing and then marketing to the buyers and the other agents? So I think, you know, ideally the homeowner has documentation from the contractor of what was installed that the agent can then leverage. So the agent doesn't feel as though they're at risk for some, you know, later lawsuit (laughs) for misrepresenting. And I, I think that having that documentation and then appropriately using the green fields uh, is, is pretty important. Now, shameless self-promotion we have like made it our life's mission to try to figure out what documentation the agents need and then create it for them so you don't have the liability you don't have the headache you don't have the hassle we don't just have a certification report we have a completed green and energy efficient appraisal addendum which helps the appraiser then do their job of signing contributory value Um, we also have home cards that the agent can hang up in the house we have social media posts and we have a, an MLS listing report, which identifies for the agent exactly what features in the house have been improved that track to the greenfields, the Riso greenfields. So again, you don't have to hunt and peck through our certification report to figure out what you should be saying or, or, or checking the box for the house when it comes to the multiple listing service. We do all of that brain damage for you. Um, but I, I mean, if you, asking the right questions of the homeowner, asking the homeowner for documentation so that, you know, if you are pricing the house higher or there is an appraiser that comes in, well, of course there will be an appraiser, but when the appraiser comes in down the road, you have the proper documentation is a good, um, a good, I think, responsible way to act in your seller's best interest. So, I mean, I'd say that it's it's up up to the, a lot of things are led by the, by the consumer. I think that, you know, I put put a lot of responsibility in the consumer to come in saying, here are my heating bills. My HVAC was was upgraded two years ago to this SEER rating. And and that's how I think a lot of it's going to be driven is the consumers coming in with that information and asking the right questions. And then, um, you know, and and then going from there because the agents will pick up on what is to what they're being led to, whether it's by the MLS or their their competitors, frankly, or 
more likely to consumers. Well, you, you mentioned competitors, Jim, and I think that's really where the savvy agent has an opportunity to differentiate him or herself in that in that listing presentation in order to win the listing in the first place. Like if you um, take the opportunity to get educated a little bit on some of this and you then can speak more confidently to a prospective seller, you may be able to represent to that seller that you can help their house sell for more. You can help it sell quicker. And what better way to win a listing than be able to make those those representations and, and point to things that you can do better and you can do differently from every other agent that might be walking through that door. I mean, I'm, I'm going to call it there. I mean, I think that that's a fantastic way to, to, to wrap it. Keith, Jonathan, anything on your side? No, it sounds great. I mean, Cynthia, I think, feel like every time we talk to you, you've, you've, you keep moving this ball forward for us and, and keep giving us more opportunities to, to stand out for our clients. And I appreciate everything that Pearl's doing. Thank you awesome. much. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate your spending the time with us. If you find this valuable, please go to wherever you get your podcast and rate and review us. It doesn't just make us feel good, but really does help others find us with the details. As we're planning the next few months, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Please email jim at nestrealty.com with ideas for shows you'd like to hear. Thank you, as always, to our sound engineer, Dave Stipe, with Little Roadie Productions. Thanks for listening, y'all.